Now turn with me this morning in your Bible to 2 Chronicles chapter 17. Second Chronicles chapter 17. And for those who are visiting with us this morning, we want to bid you welcome in the Lord's name. We appreciate your presence. And um, some weeks ago, I preached a message from Second Chronicles chapter 20. I believe it was the verse 12. A few weeks after that, I preached another message from chapter 20 and verse 15. And then last week, we preached again from chapter 20, the opening verses about Jehoshaphat setting himself to seek the Lord. I hadn't intended to um, delve any further into the life of Jehoshaphat, but there was a particular text of scripture that forced itself upon the heart and the mind. And um, I'm thinking already that there's another sermon that we'll have to now bring In relation to Jehoshaphat. So this is really the fourth sermon. Those sermons are already on the internet. And we'd encourage you to go. If you can. If you have time. uh, To listen to them. You just go on to Kaiduff WFPC. And you'll be able to find the sermons there. But let's read today from 2 Chronicles chapter 17. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Reading of course from the authorized version. And Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his stead and strengthened himself against Israel. And he placed forces in all the fenced cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa, his father, had taken. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam, but sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand and in all Judah brought to Jehoshaphat presents, and he had riches and honor in abundance. And his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he took away the high places and groves out of Judah. Also in the third year of his reign, he sent to his princes, even to ben and to Obadiah, and to Zechariah, to Nethanel, and to Micaiah to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them he sent Levites, even Shemaniah and Nethaniah, Zebediah, Ashil, Shemiraboth, Jehonathan, Adonijah, Tobijah, and Tob Adonijah, Levites. And with them El Shammah and Jehoram priests. And they taught in Judah. And had the book of the law of the Lord with them. And went about throughout all the cities of Judah. And taught the people. And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the land. That were round about Judah. So that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. We'll end the reading there at verse 
10. And we trust and pray the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text this morning is taken from 2 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. And it reads, And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat, because he walked in the first ways of his father David, and sought not unto Balaam, but sought to the Lord God of his father, and walked in his commandments, and not after the doings of Israel. Now, we'll think today about Jehoshaphat, a portrait of a man of God. So you've got the text now, Second Chronicles 17, 3 and 4. And here's the theme, Jehoshaphat, a portrait of a man of God. Now, Jehoshaphat was the fourth king to reign over the land of Judah whenever his father Asa died. Jehoshaphat was 35, so he's not a child, not a teenager, but he's a grown man. He's in the middle of his life, if you think of the lifespan of 70 years. Now, when he was 35, he began to reign as king over the land of Judah. And we know from the Bible that he reigned for 25 years over the Judah. And you can read about his life in 2 Chronicles chapter 17, 18, 19, and 20. And I encourage you to do that. It's also mentioned in 1 Kings 22 and 2 Kings chapter 3. But Jehoshaphat is a fascinating individual. He was one of the few kings of Judah that knew and loved the Lord. Jehoshaphat was one of the kings that loved the Lord and sought to direct his life in the way of godliness. None of the kings of Israel, not one of them, out of all of them, had a testimony that they loved the Lord and walked in the path of godliness. And sadly, many out of the 19 kings of Judah and the one queen used their position not for God and for good, but to promote idolatry, to promote immorality, to, to engage in iniquity. Many of them had no interest in the things of God. They had no testimony of God. They had no desire to live for him. But Jehoshaphat was different. Look at our text. Read it carefully. Read it slowly. Read it prayerfully. Think about the words. Allow the words to affect your heart and mind. Jehoshaphat was someone who walked with God, who, who sought the Lord, who, who hated idolatry and immorality. He was not a perfect man. He was not sinless. He made plenty of mistakes. He was prone to error of judgment. Yet, for the most part, Jehoshaphat was a man who knew and loved the Lord. A man who was in a blessed relationship with the Lord. In other words, the Lord was the central figure in his life. This man had a heart to seek God, to, to serve God. And he wanted to, to show forth the Lord in terms of his godly character and behavior. When you read the whole chapter of 2 Chronicles 17, and I didn't read it all this morning for the sake of time, I'm always conscious of time, maybe over unconscious of time. But you read the chapter. Not one word of criticism about Jehoshaphat. 
Not one derogatory statement is made about him in the early part of his life. Remember, he's 35 years of age when we're introduced to him. The name Jehoshaphat means the Lord shall judge. And here's a man who was conscious that the Lord was judging him in his life. He's a man who lived up to his name. The man who appears in this chapter, he had a good heart and mind about the things of God. Here he is, just crowned the king. He has all the potential for being a godless man or a godly man. And he personally chose to be a godly man. He's living up to his name. How he lived is important. Now there's many important features about Jehoshaphat that I want you to see. Oh yes, it's true he didn't always do the right thing. It's true he was not without sin. It's true that he did sin gravely and that he compromised with Ahab and Jezebel. But he did recognize it. He did repent of it. He did get right with the Lord. He he did try to make amends. But we're not focusing on the sin of Jehoshaphat. We will come to that maybe next week in the will of God. But we're focusing now on the start of his reign. Right at the beginning. So I want you to see the king. He's 35. He's just been had a coronation. He's on the throne. And I want you to see from the start that he sets forth godly characteristics to do with his behavior. So, so this morning we're, we're focusing our attention on the portrait of a man of God. What's a man of God like? What's a godly king on the throne like? Well, few things that come to mind from this text of Scripture. First of all, I want you to see the purpose that he established. Look with me at verse 4. It says, But sought to the Lord God of his father, and walked in his commandments, and not after the doings of Israel. Jehoshaphat was of such a sound mind a gift, I believe, from the Spirit of God, that he fully and firmly resolved in his heart and mind not to live after the doings of Israel. Jehoshaphat, at the beginning of his reign, he was against everything that was not pleasing to the Lord. We we have already read, and the Lord was with Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat was walking with God. And Jehoshaphat sought not after Balaam. In other words, he was not hankering after idolatry. He he was not an idolatrous worshiper. But what did he do? But he sought to the Lord God of his fathers. He, He walked in his commandments and not after the doing of Israel. Now, look at chapter 17, verse 1. It says, And Jehoshaphat his son reigned in his stead. And strengthened himself against Israel. I want you to link up the words. And strengthened himself against Israel. And not after the doings of Israel. Now it's important that you remember. That after the death of King Solomon. Because of Solomon's sin. The land of Israel. Was split into two parts. Ten tribes. They became the northern kingdom. Known as Israel. The first king was Rehoboam. The son of Nebat. Who made Israel to sin. Now, over the northern kingdom at this time, Ahab and Jezebel, they reign over those ten tribes as king and queen. 
In the southern kingdom, there was two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. God had sovereignly preserved them. The headquarters of the king was set up at Jerusalem. God was preserving the line of David. And one of the first things that Jehoshaphat does when he's 35, just newly crowned king, is to separate himself from every ungodly influence that affects him and his family. In other words, he strengthened himself against Israel politically, morally, spiritually, militarily. And and, and he'd pledged in his heart he would not go after Balaam. He he totally rejected Baal worship. Look at verse 2. Militarily, he strengthened all the fenced cities. In other words, he put soldiers in the fenced cities and it was their job to defend and protect the territory. Surely this was a good beginning. We've been taught here something about the man. Here's what he did. Here's what he didn't do. He didn't go after Balaam. He strengthened himself against Israel. And not after the doings of Israel. You see, that was the purpose that he established within his heart and mind at the beginning. To strengthen himself against Israel. Not to go after Balaam. Not to, after the doings of Israel. You turn over there this morning to uh, Psalm 1. And remember what we read there in Psalm 1. Speaking about the godly man. And what do we read about the godly man in, in Psalm 1? We often sing it. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. In other words, here's what he doesn't do. Here's what he does do. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. I want to ask the question this morning, in the first day of the week. Will you pledge in your heart and mind to make a fresh and a new start with God? Are there areas in your life where you need to be stronger? Where you need to take consideration of? Do you need to be stronger in your walk with God? Do you need to be stronger when it comes to having peace of mind? Does your love for the Lord need to be strengthened? What about your study of the book of God? What about your prayer life? What about your witness for the Lord? Are these not areas in which we all need to be strengthened? Many of the Lord's dear people are living a joyless existence. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is not their strength. Life is full of stress and strains. Many this morning have no peace of mind, and yet it's written in the book, Thou will keep them in uh, perfect peace, because his mind is stayed in thee, because he trusteth in thee. Many are not getting the word from the Lord every day. Why? Because they're not taking the book and they're not reading. And I encourage you to read a portion of the scriptures every day. Get a wee verse, a wee word from the Lord and meditate upon it. It might be a promise. It might be a precept. Many are missing out. Because there's an absence of the book of God in their life. And many are missing out because they're not getting to the house of God. And it's become a hindrance. It's become a barrier. And, and the devil, of course, is getting the victory. And what do we need? We need to purpose in our heart and mind, a purpose that must be established. 
We've got to have the mindset, I must, by the grace of God, strengthen myself in the things of God. Just, that's what Jehoshaphat did. He was not ashamed of the Lord, the things of God. He, 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 he was a, 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 a good man. And he was against everything the Lord was against. Everything that he knew and seemed to be godless. Everything that would be harmful to him as king over his subjects. All that would affect his testimony. Every idol. Every aspect of immorality. And we need to adopt the same mindset. Remember the hymn writer said, The dearest idol I have known, whatever that idol be, help me to pluck it from thy throne and to worship only thee. Jehoshaphat made up his mind that he wasn't going to copy the lifestyle of the Israelites in the northern kingdom. In other words, he wasn't going to copy the world. He wasn't going to imitate. He, he, he knew that once he started in that path, he was vulnerable to, to failure, to sin. We need to make up our minds. Are we going to fully and wholly follow the Lord with all our heart and mind and soul and strength? And if we're going to resolve to do that, then we need to strengthen ourselves against everything the Lord is against. We need to strengthen ourselves when it comes to joy and peace and study of the scriptures and the house of God. That's the purpose he established. I want you to see secondly and quickly the pattern that he evaluated. It says, if you look at our text of scripture, something very important about um, Jehoshaphat. It says in verse 3, And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat, because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam. Notice the words, because he walked in the first ways of his father David. That's the pattern he evaluated. Here was the pattern for a style of living. Jehoshaphat in the early part of his reign deliberately chose to pattern his life on the lifestyle of the godly king David. Isn't that remarkable? Notice how the Holy Spirit puts it, the first ways of his father David, right at the start of David's reign. have to draw a contrast. doesn't say that his last ways. He picked the very best king, the very best among the kings of Israel and Judah. And he thought about how David lived. And he was saying, I want to pattern my life after that. Now, what was David like? Could I suggest this morning he was a man after God's own heart? Isn't that what the scripture says? Acts 13, verse 22. Let's hear the word of God. And when he had removed him, that was Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king. To him also he gave testimony. This is God's testimony. And said, this is God speaking. Listen to the words. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which will fulfill all my will. So, so what was David like? He was a man after God's own heart. I wanted to show you something else about David. Turn over there to 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 14. 1 Samuel 18, verse 14. We read here about David. This is in the early days. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways. 
and the Lord was with him. Here was another outstanding feature in the life of David. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Now listen to the last verse of 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 30. It says, And the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. His name was much set by. Why? Because he behaved himself more wisely. Do do you see that? Everywhere David went, into the the royal court, in, in a private house, in public, there was no exhibition of folly. There was no foul speech, no cursing, no, no coarse jesting. In all his conduct, in his conversation, in his communion with God, when he was in the house of God, he behaved himself wisely. Why? Because he recognized he was answerable to the Lord. He was accountable to him. He was dependent on him. Do you know, I don't believe there's anything coincidental or accidental in the Bible. Everything's for our learning and edification. Jehoshaphat is saying, the start of his reign. Lord, I want to be known after a man, after your own heart. A man like David. Lord, I want to behave myself wisely in all my ways. I want to have that testimony. You see, David was presented as a pattern for others to follow. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Why? Because he was walking in the ways of his godly great-grandfather. And David was used in the Old Testament scriptures, Chronicles, Kings, Samuel. He's a standard, a measure by which other men are compared. Read about the kings of Judah. Read about the kings of Israel. And we're told that they didn't walk in the ways of David. In other words, they had no heart for God. They were not behaving themselves wisely. They didn't love the Lord. Jehoshaphat, I believe, deliberately took David to his pattern. He's going back six generations. David, Solomon, Rehoboam, uh, Abijah, Asa, and then Jehoshaphat. Approximately 100 years distance between them. This is about 900 BC. And and Jehoshaphat's thinking about his great-grandfather. Remember, he's, he's 35 years of age. We could ask the question, who's your hero? Who are you going to pattern your kingship on? And he's saying, my best and only pattern is David. Now, keep that thought in mind and turn over there to Psalm 78. We read there in verse 78 and verses 5 and 6. He says, for he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children that the generations to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Here's the rising generations. One generation after another. And what's the parents doing? What's the fathers doing? They're passing down a spiritual legacy to the children. And they're going to say to the children, don't be sinful. Don't be stubborn. Don't be stupid. Be a pattern for others to follow God. 
You study the lives, young people, of men of long ago. Men who walked with God. And that's exactly what Jehoshaphat did. He patterned his life, we're told, in the first ways of David. So, so I've got to ask this morning, as the Lord's servant, am I walking with God? Am I living for the Lord? Am I lifestyle in such a way that I'm impacting the rising generations. You see, as I've said, that applies to me as the minister of this church, over you, the flock of God. That applies to the elders of this congregation. That applies to the children's workers, the Sunday school teachers, the, the youth leaders. That, that applies to the parents and their own children. That applies to grandparents and grandchildren. Are, are we a pattern before the eyes of others? Do others look on us and say, well, there's a man who's a heart for God? Oh, not perfect. No, not, not, not sinlessly perfect. But, but striving purposefully to have a heart for God. Do we behave ourselves wisely when it comes down to our conduct, our conversation, our communion with God? Are, are we a familiar pattern? Do, do, do others want to copy the pattern? We should make a prayer this morning. Lord, help me to impact the rising generation that's coming up along with me. He walked in the first ways of David, not the second part. See, David, remember, fell into sin. Of course, he did repent. His relationship was restored. But David was never the same. Sin, remember, has consequences. So, so here's a warning that we need to be careful and we need to ask the Lord every day Lord, here's the pattern to evaluate. If you link this up this morning, turn over there to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I don't want to bore you with a whole pile of references or bamboozle you, but this is a, a big subject, I'm well aware. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And look with me, I believe it's verse 1. Look at these words. This is Paul's advice to the church at Corinth in his first letter. Be ye followers of me. In other words, pattern yourself after my lifestyle. Imitate me. Notice the words, even as I also am of Christ. Isn't that important? Aim to be like Christ. Christ hated sin, according to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 8. And he loved righteousness. And you know, we should hate sin and love righteousness. And, and we ought to, who've been born of the Spirit, have a heart for God. And we ought to aim and strive to behave ourselves wisely in the ways of God. Because we're impacting the rising generation. The pattern that he evaluated. Notice thirdly, and I'll be quick, the presence that he enjoyed. If you go back to our text, what does it tell us? It says... And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. I, I, I love that. I love marking in the Bible everywhere I read that the Lord was with one of his own. Jehoshaphat knew many wonderful blessings in his life. Great blessings. Materially, physically, mentally. But I believe that the best of all, the greatest of all, is this, that the Lord was with him. And you know, folks, that's one of life's greatest blessings. 
to the new Lord is with you in the onward journey of life. To know that you're the Lord's. And the Lord can claim you as his own. And the Lord can say, yes, the blood marks upon that man. Yes, that man's born of the Spirit. Yes, that man has a heart for me. You think of what he said about David. It was God that spoke. Acts 13, 22. Read it for yourself. Not the church. Not any of the apostles. Not, not, not this denomination. But God had a testimony. That there was a man in the Israel in the 1000 B.C., and he had a testimony that he had a heart for God. Let me ask you, is that your testimony? Is the Lord with you? Do you love the Lord? Are you washed in the blood? Are you born of the Spirit? Was there a time when you confessed that you were a sinner and you needed to be saved and you asked Christ to save you and you called out, God, be merciful to me, the sinner? Do you know the Lord's with you in the onward journey of life? What about when you come into the valley of death? Remember the psalmist? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. He had the divine presence with him, even in the valley of the shadow of death. And in fact, the words with me is the central Hebrew words in Psalm 23. Because he had divine presence, he had divine peace. If the Lord is with you, you can have the peace of God that passes all understanding. Not only peace with God, but the peace of God. Aye, and you'll have the divine protection. The Lord will be a sun and shield to you. The Lord will give you grace. The Lord will give you glory. It's important that you can answer in your mind. Is this true of you today? Is the Lord your God? It's important that you say like Thomas, my Lord and my God. Can you say that this morning? I want you to think of one other thing. The procedure that he employed... Jehoshaphat adopted a threefold procedure, and I'll just give it to you because our, our time is going. If you look at the text, it says, but sought to the Lord God of his father. He adopted the principle of supplication. He prayed unto the Lord daily, I believe, frequently. Prayer was an integral part of his life. He probably prayed it in the morning and at night and at noon, just like David, because that's what David did. So if he was copying David as a pattern, then he was saying, well, I'll give myself to prayer. We've already seen that last week. He adopted the principle of supplication. Let me ask you, are you a praying man, a praying woman? If you love the Lord and the Lord is with you, then you'll want to give yourself to prayer. He'll be the procedure that you'll employ. Privately as well as corporately And you'll be in the house of God at the times of prayer And you'll want to be there Why? Because the Lord has touched your heart The Lord has given you that desire There's no such thing as a prayerless Christian If you're a Christian and you don't pray Then I seriously doubt if you're a true Christian Because if you're born of the Spirit The Spirit of God will lead you to prayer that, That's the teaching of the Bible Romans 8 and 13 Look, look it up he also adopted the principle of the scriptures. You see, Jehoshaphat, I believe, lived his life by the law of God. If you look with me, it says in verse 9, and I'm going to link something up here. Look at verse 9. It says, And they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them and went about throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. 
Now, now keep that in mind. And then come back to our text. It says, and sought to the Lord God of his Father and walked in his commandments. Think of the words, his commandments. In other words, he lived under the authority of the book. He lived by the book. And here he is in the third year of his reign. And he sends out uh, five princes. And he tells them to go into the country. And, and they were really on a missionary exhibition. And, and they were sent by the king. And they were, they were to take the scriptures, the word of the Lord in their hand. And they were to teach the whole of Judah. The country had corrupted itself. The country needed to be cleansed. The country needed to be taught that they must be obedient to the book. And I was thinking, how can this church strengthen itself? How can we as individuals strengthen ourselves by, by firmly resolving in our mind to say we believe the Bible? That we're going to read and study the scriptures. That we're going to live and follow the teaching of the Bible. And in every area of life, it's what does the Bible say? And we'll seek an answer from the Lord. And we'll remember that Isaiah 8 and 20 says, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there's no light in them. And there's great darkness in Northern Ireland this morning because there's a departure from the light of the Holy Scriptures. Here's the procedure. 35 years of age, or 38, and he adopts not only the principle of supplication, but the principle of the Scriptures. Only the Scriptures. He's living his life by the book, what God says. And one final thing. He adopted the principle of separation. Notice it says in the text, verses 3 and 4, And sought not unto Balaam, and not after the doings of Israel. And if you come down to verse 6, it says, And his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he took away the high places and groves out of Judah. See, there's the principle of separation. He took away the high places and the groves out of Judah. In other words, he got, he got rid of them. All the shrines of idolatry. You study the lives of the kings, and we frequently read the high places were not taken away. The high places represented false worship, represented another way of worship. There was those in Israel in the northern kingdom, as well as in the southern kingdom before Jehoshaphat came to the throne, and they thought, well... When it comes to worship, we don't need to consult anybody. It's nobody's business how we worship. I'll do it my way. I'll do it in the way that I want. I'll do it when I want. And I'll do what I want. We'll decide. We'll make up our own mind. We'll do our thing. It was all about what they thought. Jehoshaphat, when he comes to the throne, says, No, you're not free to worship God. Or approach the Lord in your way. It has to be done God's way. And here we're told his heart is lifted up in the ways of the Lord. And what did he do? He got rid of the high places. Got rid of the groves out of Judah. Oh, he couldn't influence what was happening in the northern kingdom. But he, he, could, he could do what was taking place in his own kingdom. There's got to be the principle of separation. And when it comes down to the church, here's a reason why we don't have dance and drama and drums in the church. The simple reason is we have no warrant from God in the Bible to introduce them to worship. And, and we've got to deny ourselves the pull of the world. As a child of God, 
as people of God, as the house of God, we've got to be different from the world. We're not going to copy the standards of the world. It's sad, of course, when a church starts to do it. I believe once the church starts to do that, it's on a slippery slope. It's on a downhill treadmill. And when the denomination, of course, adopts things that are contrary to the mind and will of God, they're also on a downward slope. And that's true about the Christian. A Christian who goes down that road, serious consequences follow. Jehoshaphat knew that his life, his worship, his ways must be regulated by what God says. Not by what men say. Not by what men do. Even kings. There must be attention to what God commands. His commandments are important. And he determines and he decides, I'm going to walk in them. Here's the procedure he adopted. It was threefold. The principle of supplication. The principle of the scriptures. And the principle of separation walked in his commandments. And I put it to you this morning, and our time is gone. Here's the portrait, at least just scratching the surface, the main features of a man of God. The purpose that he established, the things that he would not do. The pattern that he had evaluated, I'll set my life after the lifestyle of a man of God. Here's the presence he enjoyed, and the Lord was with him because of that. Here's the procedure. I give myself to prayer. I live by the Bible, the word of God. And I'll say no to sin. And that principle of separation will come into my personal life. I'll not fashion it after the world. And the principle of separation will come into the life and witness of the church. The church must be separated from the world. Here's the pattern of a man of God. Do you want to be a man of God? a woman of God, a young person who's living for the Lord, then I recommend this study of Jehoshaphat in his early days to you. Thank you for coming this morning. Thank you for listening. We thank you for your patience. We trust and pray the Lord will bless you.